Okay, you guys ready? Um, we, uh, if, if, you're, if you're new to this or if you're just listening to this uh, and you hadn't checked out where we've been, we're, we've been walking through the Lord's Prayer, also called the Model Prayer. Uh, God's really impressed on our hearts as a church, a Sojourn Church, that uh, we need to press in in prayer. Uh, Johnny Osborne just talked about that a few minutes ago. Uh, don't think of, of prayer as, as something useless just because God's going to do whatever He thinks and whatever He wants. Uh, don't think of it as just being catharsis by which if you just go and complain and vent to God, it's just going to make you feel better. Prayer is something that's supernatural. And it's something that I know I don't do enough. And that we don't do enough. We need to press in, both as an individual and with people. Some of you are introverts, that you're really, you're really fine with pressing in in prayer when you're alone, but you're scared to death of praying in front of other people. Others of you, man, you, when you're in a group with people, you don't have any problem at all stepping right in just because of who you are and praying and, and doing it even from a, from a good heart. But as far as taking the time yourself and praying alone, you're missing it. Well, it's like two sides of the coin. You're not supposed to have one without the other. We say our Father as well as we say my Father. We've been taking our time uh, as we've been walking through this. Uh, a lot of times if you have a, a someone teaches on the Lord's Prayer, they'll do it all in one session. Um, we've been doing our best to, uh, to just ask God to be with us and help us to really dissect this. I, I remember um, I was in college in 1990, 91. It was my junior year. I was asked to... Uh, be a youth pastor for then that upcoming summer down in Melbourne, Florida. Melbourne, and I don't know if you guys have ever been there before, but it's like Huntsville on the beach because it's all these NASA scientists, all this rocket science, but right there on the beach, Cocoa Beach, uh, right there. It's it's just a tremendous place. Enjoyed my summer there. It was the year uh, we were engaged. Uh, I was going to get married the week after I finished that job up. I was a youth pastor at a church down there. Uh, made hardly any money. And I remember one time, because I didn't make any money, one of our adult leaders helping out with student discipleship uh, took, took me out uh, to eat. And um, this one, wings were really starting to become popular. And uh, the wife of this, uh, of, of this couple, um, I remember she ordered her wings, probably six, eight wings, something like that. And I ordered some wings, and I'm just plowing through them. And, all, and uh, like, like you guys probably do, Beauregard's um, can rocket right anybody anybody like Beauregard's in here uh-huh and uh so uh, but we were eating these things and after a while I looked and I looked at her plate and I saw the cleanest bones that I'd ever seen in my life I mean there was no there was no skin left on them certainly no meat I don't even think there was any grizzle left on these things I think she ate part of the bones all right I mean this lady she she didn't let anything go. And, and I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, you know, that's, that's how we're doing with the Lord's Prayer. And, and it's really how we want to do when, as we search and read through the Bible. Is, I mean, we want to extract every bit of meat that we can from it. And so that's, that's where we are in here. The, the disciples, they came up to Jesus. They asked one of the greatest questions that they could ask of Him. They said, Jesus, would you please teach us to pray? And that's a question that disciples here and now, right here in this room, you may have said it yesterday, you may have said it last month, I'd say, say it daily. Jesus, would you teach me to pray? And guess what? He, he will. He will. Uh, he will. Uh, and he, he showed us this model uh, here in Matthew chapter 6. Um, and so here's where we're headed today. As we're talking about the kingdom of God and the will of God, um, we want to want to walk through understanding the kingdom of God, and then we want to know how to pray the kingdom of God to come in four different areas. I'll go ahead and give you those four areas so you can prepare yourself. Um, first of all, is praying for the kingdom of God to come through His second coming, through Jesus actually coming again, is one of the ways that you're to pray. For his kingdom to come. Secondly, is to pray for his kingdom to come in your life as lordship of him being in control of your life. Thirdly, praying for God and his kingdom to come in those that are around you. And we're going to talk about 
how the kingdom of God can come in power and break through and kind of knock you on your butt sometimes with some of the things that he, he may be up to that will boggle your mind. Fourthly, it's praying for God's kingdom to come in your city and in your world uh, in justice and mercy, how to love your city, how to love your neighbors, how to love your world. Um, let's give you a few overall statements uh, just for, for this whole section. Um, we're, we're really praying when we're asking for God's kingdom to come, we're asking for Jesus to reign in our lives. Not reign like come down and sprinkle upon us. We're actually asking for Him to come and to set up shop and to rule over our life. And we're saying, I submit to you and to your Lordship. We're to swear allegiance to Him daily. Any of you guys grow up in a school where every day you started out by pledging allegiance to the flag? Anybody out there? Okay. Yeah, me too. Um, and and this, this is one of those things where on a daily basis, um, and more than that if necessary, that you're saying, Jesus, I swear allegiance to you. And I ask for you to be in control. It's where you understand and you're, you're making a proclamation to God, but primarily to yourself through this prayer, where you're saying, God, I'm a citizen of your country first. I'm a citizen of God's kingdom before I'm a citizen of the United States of America or, or wherever you may be listening to this from. Before, before I would say I, I, I'll do what the, the, the state troopers or the police or the mayor or the governor or the president says, which we should, we are to be submissive to them, we say, but above all of them, Jesus is in charge of my life. And we want the will of God to be accomplished in all circumstances of life. And we submit all of our opinions about those circumstances before God's sovereignty. Did you hear that? It's, or we, we, we want His will to be done so much that we even say, God, I, I place my opinion underneath Your will. Because I'd rather You do what You think is best than You do what I think You should do. Uh, so let's talk about the kingdom of God. God is a king. And all kings have a kingdom. Psalm, 45, Psalm 145, 10-13 says this, All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. Listen to this. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is faithful in all His words and is kind in all His works. Now let's look at what Jesus said regarding kingdom in just a couple of spots. Luke 4, 43. He said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. Jesus was making claims like, look guys, I've got to move on. Because I need, to, I need to preach, I need to proclaim the truth about the kingdom of my Father and my kingdom. I need to proclaim that. But as you know, as where He went, He also brought the manifestation of the kingdom of God as well. And that was good news. It's good news because He proclaimed it, and it's good news because He lived it. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be gospel people. Gospel means good news. And that means that we're saying, hey, there's another kingdom at hand. There's another kingdom that's, that's around here. There's another ruler that you can trust with your life. And then we also, we're bringing that good news through our actions as, as well. Look, look at what Jesus said in John 18, 35-36. Pilate was, was questioning him before his crucifixion. Uh, at this point, Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might be delivered, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Jesus wants you to know that as you look around, as you view your life, as you look at the human condition, as you look at the priorities in your life, that much of what you see as you look around is not under the submission of the kingdom of God. It's not under the submission of 
the king of all creation, God Himself. And He wants you to know, look, there's a kingdom. There's a, a city of God that His desire is the city of God be birthed and be grown within the city of man. God is king over the entire universe, but here in the model prayer, it's actually not talking about a geographical kingdom. It's not talking about space or land. The Greek word there is basileia, which actually means reign and rule. So when it's saying, may your kingdom come, it's not, it's not saying, God, uh, may, your, may your boundary of land expand because God already owns the entire universe. What it's saying is, it's saying, may your rule and reign be more manifest in me and around me. The kingdom of God is, it's, it's a bit strange, you guys. Um, it's something that already is, but it's something that's coming as well, all right? It's, it, it's strange. Now, I want to go back to the four words that describe history of mankind. Creation, fall, redemption, and completion, okay? At creation, the kingdom of God was the same throughout the universe. In all places you go, all, all around the universe, including over Adam, over Eve, at creation, everything was under the complete lordship of Jesus Christ. God was sovereign both, both uh, in, in heaven and upon earth. However, at the fall, when Adam and Eve rebelled, creation was instantly changed. Sin against a holy God is so horrible that it broke all of creation. It, and it didn't mean that it... Don't take that to mean that it was that sin was so powerful that it broke God and broke His rule and reign. It did not. But sin was so horrible and so atrocious that it separated things from God. Man no longer had a relationship with God, each other, and creation as God had created it. Those were broken. But redemption, going from creation to fall, redemption. Redemption is when Jesus came and He died upon the cross and He was a substitute for sinners which made it possible for reconciliation to occur between God, man and God, and man with man and man with creation. That's what redemption brought. All those things that had been broken, it brought redemption, it brought reconciliation from man to God and man to man and man with creation. However, the human condition was not abolished because not all people surrendered to Jesus Christ. So we're in this, we're in this strange place between the point of redemption and the point of completion and and my description for that is that's the mission right there. That's the season of God's mission. It's the season of your mission if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian, you've been saved by Him. You are in the middle of a mission. Now, in some ways, it'd be, you almost think, man, it sure would be better, be nicer if we were just back at creation before the fall. Or you might say, Man, I just look forward to the day when it's, when it's all completed, and, and I do, and it, it will be a fantastic day. But the problem with that is if we just look backwards to what happened before the fall, or if we're just looking forwards to someday when Jesus comes back, and we're not dealing with the day that we're in, the season we're in now, the season of mission, we will either separate from the mission, or we'll be lost within the mission in the middle of sin. And we'll be useless either way. So what God wants us to do is He wants us to join Him in the mission that He will accomplish, He will complete, and He will win. He will not lose. And He wants us to have the same confidence to join Him on this mission. It's not finished yet. Someday, Jesus will come back and He's going to reset all of creation and that's the place of completion. But right now, we're in the middle of it. God has always reigned over all. But in the brokenness of the fall, He, he delays the final domino of reign to be patient with those who have not yet surrendered. Or who may not even be born yet to surrender. Are you with me? That's why completion has not happened yet. God has not brought everyone into the fold that He's going to bring into the fold yet. Could be, could be tomorrow. 
It could be next week when God says, it's finished. It's time. Son, go get your bride. Son, go go and finalize things. Let's bring completion to this. God is patient. I'm so thankful that Jesus did not come about 35 years ago. some of you guys that there's people around you people that you love that you know they're, they're not Christians and they know that they're not Christians thank God that yet we're going to go further with that uh, if you've got a kingdom you've got a king and another word for a king is a sovereign here are a few thoughts on the sovereignty of God and this is not a message we could, we could take a whole series on this but let me just give you a few things some thoughts about the sovereignty of God. Sovereignty is as defined by Wayne Grudem in Systematic Theology. says it's God's exercise of power over His creation. Sovereignty. His exercise of His power over His creation. Here's what John MacArthur said about the sovereignty of God. The doctrine of God's sovereignty is often abused, misunderstood, and misapplied. Many Christians decide it is too deep, too confusing, too hard to understand or too offensive. We should not run from it. We should run to it. We should not be afraid of it. We should rejoice in it. This doctrine crushes human pride, exalts God, and strengthens the believer's faith. What could be more encouraging than to know that God is sovereignly in control of all His creation? The universe is not subject to chance. There's no possibility that God's plans will fail. Romans 8.28, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who are called according to His purpose. That is the best known and best loved promise in all of Scripture and it hinges on the doctrine of God's sovereignty. We have worldview options when it comes to the sovereignty of God or the kingdom of God, therefore the king of God. And our worldview options are either going to be I am king, there is no king, culture is king, or that God is king. Psalm 115 verse 3 says, Our God is in the heavens. He does all that He pleases. We can relax. Yes. I, I, don't mean, I don't mean we get to a place where we don't, don't act, but what we do is we get to a place where we, we don't act like it's on our shoulders. Now let's think through those worldview options for just a second. Um, I am a I am king, there is no king, culture is king, or God is king. If, and first of all, if we think, think I am king, good grief. You know, what a place of absolute, complete self-reliance. But you know what, that's, that's, what, I, that's what I do so much of the time. And I have to fight it on a daily basis. You guys are like, you guys are like, I bet Dave doesn't have problems problems with that yeah, yeah I do actually you guys it's only y'all who don't know me that would even possibly think that because those who know me know that I'm in charge of my life way too much and what God wants us to know and what he wants us to, to do is come to the place where we reject that worldview and we ask God please reveal it to me please show it to me God when I am living as king of my life and in will the other a worldview option, there is no key, king. This leads to, to um, a place of anarchy or defeatism. To where either we're just totally out of control and, and we, we breed anarchy. Or we get fatalistic, we get defeated, get to a place where, where we're just, you know, well, it doesn't really matter. I have, I have nothing to lose but also have nothing to lose, to live for. Have no hope. If culture is king, then you have a moving target. Because you have to change as culture changes. You have to stay in step and keep up with what the rest of the world says is, is important. But if, if God, is, God is king, it changes everything. If God is king, you may not, you may not like Him. You may not like what He does. But you can know that He will never change. And if you align yourself under Him, you are solid. 
There's some times in your life that you're going to come to a point where you just say, I don't think I like what God just did or what God allowed. Okay? In fact, you may take it even further than that to say, well, I don't like the God of the Bible anyway, and if that's the God of the Bible, then forget it. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm just telling you, though, you, know, you, you may have those feelings or those thoughts, but if you, if you really believed them, if you really believed there was a God who was in charge of all of that, of, of, of everything in the universe, and you, and you said, well, I don't, I don't like Him or I don't like the things that He does, and so I'm just going to ignore Him, you wouldn't do that. So if you come to that place, it's, it's a, really a, it's a crisis of belief where, where you, maybe you don't believe that there's really a God or you're one that knows He's God, but you're just ticked off at Him. And you need to change your attitude. Let me give you some thoughts from John Piper. He says, If you would see God's glory and savor His glory and magnify His glory in this world, do not remain wavering before the sovereignty of God in the face of great evil. Take His book in your hand. Plead for His spirit of illumination and humility and trust and settle this matter so that you might be unshakable in the day of your own calamity. Are you king? Is culture your king? Do you believe that there's no king? Or do you believe that God is king? And if you believe that God is king... Where are you in your surrender before this king? The creation's broken. God is still the king. He always has been. He is. He always will be. We're not in the creation phase with everything perfect. The fall has occurred, but so is redemption through the cross. But completion hasn't come either. We're still in this mission phase of God. So how does this affect your mission? How does this change our prayers? If we're in this season of mission, He wants us to live as a people under the authority of the King who has a mission. How does this affect our prayer? Let's talk about praying through the kingdom of God. I gave you these, these four, four thoughts at the beginning, but again, the first, the first thing here is praying of the kingdom of God is, is first of all, we, we're praying for the kingdom to come through His second coming. We're actually... We're actually told to pray and ask God, please come. Jesus, would you come and would you complete what you started? Would you come and would you finish your work? And on one hand, it's, it's that you're saying, we love you, God, and we want to see you. And on another hand, we're saying, we're tired of sinning. We have a desire to be completely holy. In another way, we're, we, we, think, we think, God, we, we grow weary of this human condition and the, the sickness and the pain and the evil that we see all around us. We're sick of it. We're tired of this human condition. We're tired of the brokenness from the fall that we continue to see around us and how it affects, affects us. But, but what are the ramifications of this? What is it that happens if you actually start praying, Jesus, would you come? Jesus, would you come today? God, it's, it's, it's rotten here on this earth and, and you're doing amazing things, but this world is so broken. Would you please complete the mission? What are the ramifications of that? I mean, what if, what if you knew that Jesus was coming back next Sunday? What if you knew that? What would it change within you? How would it change your calendar this week? Well, who would you share the gospel with this week? Who would you ask forgiveness from this week? Who would you give forgiveness to this week? Now, part of this question is not very fair. Because if I knew Jesus was coming back, and if we all really knew that, nobody would go to work this week, I mean, we'd all, I mean, unless we just went there to, to, to just sit down and say, ah, you gotta, you know, we gotta talk for five minutes, just give me five minutes, I mean, we, you know, we, it, it would wreck, it would wreck things in one way if we, if we knew that, but let that go, let that go for a moment. What if the urgency was really there, and God said, okay, 
You got to still work your forty plus hours a week. You got to do. You got to follow follow what it is that you've been in a trajectory and you've been in your pattern for. But what would it change within that pattern? How would it change the way that you look at the people that you see, your neighbor who's next to you, your grocer, you know the, the student that's sitting across from you in the room? What would change in, in the board meeting? This week? What would happen in your sales meeting this week? What would change with your lunch lunches? What would change as far as who is in your house over for dinner this week? God wants us to pray, Jesus, please come back. But He wants us to understand the ramifications of that. It's not a thing where we say, Jesus, please come back. I'm just going to sit here and wait and kind of check out and watch MTV to get back. If we really thought that, if we really thought Jesus was coming back soon, and He is coming back soon, I just don't know what His definition of soon is. It would change you. It would change you. So we, we, first of all, we pray. We're praying. We're, we ask God. You're praying, may Your kingdom come. Ask God. Jesus to come back. And then ask Him to change you as if He was coming back very soon. Secondly, ask for His kingdom to come in your life. And this is a matter of lordship. This is a matter of complete submission and complete surrender of who you are before God. This is just saying, God, I, I surrender. You're king and I'm not. You're God And I'm not. I am not my own. I've been bought by you. I'm a slave to you. And yet in slavery to you, I'm freer than I've ever been in my entire life. What if... What if... uh, What if two huge 11-foot angels walked in, ducking through the door, made their way down here to this stage some big old swords and they'd be glimmering and and just big, right? You know, they come walking down the aisle and they just say, alright, you know, little guy off stage, um, folks, welcome Jesus. He's walking in the door. And Jesus walks in in the flesh, post-resurrected flesh, holes and everything, walks in and he comes down comes and stands where where I am. What would you do? How would you respond if Jesus, King of the universe, walked in in the flesh, came and walked in, and and began to speak to you? I don't I don't know. I don't I don't think I don't think anybody would be in their chairs. I think I think we probably would all come and huddle on our knees around Him. Because He's God. And he's, He is worthy of our worship and our adoration. And I believe there'd be all kinds of aha moments just flashing in our mind of like, oh my goodness, what, is this, what does this mean? What, what do I do? What, do, what, do, what happens next? You know? I believe we would just spontaneously begin singing to Him and, and, and people would start, start spouting off verses that speak great things about Him to where we're, we're adoring Him. And, and I believe we just say, Jesus, I, I, have you come back? Is it your second coming? And if He was like, he's like, no, 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 this isn't the second coming. I just wanted to come and visit with you in the flesh you know, for, for just a moment. I think we'd be saying, well, okay, well, what next? What are we supposed to do? And we would hang on His next words. And He'd say, Alan, I want, you, I want you to do this. Paul, go here. And Tracy, I want you to do this. Diane, no, I want you to do this. And, and then I think he'd say, I think he'd say, uh, uh, um, you know, Madison Journey Group. Listen, do you know about? Do you know about? Uh, there's there's an impoverished apartment complex right over near you, and 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 uh, and, and uh, uh, South Huntsville. Are you aware of 
are you aware of, uh, of of the homeless people that are that are a little bit back, you know, into in, into the woods? And and I think he'd, he'd start saying things to groups, and I think he'd start saying things to family families. And he'd say, all right, few family, and all the kids, all you listen to this, and I have something for you and Web family. Listen, listen to this. And I think he'd say, now Sojourn Church, listen to me, listen to me. There's something that I I have for you as a church. It will change everything. But you know what? Guys, Jesus is not in here in the flesh. But Jesus is in here. He is with us. He's with you. He, he doesn't, when we leave, He doesn't stay in the brewery. When we, when we go, He goes with us. I, could you imagine if you start thinking through your, your vices, your addictions, your weaknesses, your, your problems, or even as you start thinking about your strengths and your gifts and your abilities, how much confidence it would bring in your life to deal with those things and to be stronger where you're strong and for your weaknesses all of a sudden to lose their strength in your life if Jesus physically walked with you every day, every minute of the day. Folks, I'm telling you, Jesus walks with you every minute of the day. He has the very same power in you because it's Him. But our problem is is that we, by default, are submissive to the kingdom of man and the kingdom of self. And the kingdom of circumstance. The kingdom of relational toil and tension. The kingdom of our agendas and our way. And I'm telling you, when Jesus shows up, all those kingdoms fall. That's what He wants. He wants, he wants that right, right now. I'm not saying at the end of the service or... Or, or when the lighting's just right and, and or when just the song is just right. I'm saying right now, the Holy Spirit wants to transform your life. And, I, and the only thing that's going to stop that from happening is if you are saying, no, I will stay on the throne. Thank you very much. So take that stiff arm. Put it down. And turn it this way. Say, God, whatever you want. You're more powerful in my strengths, and you're way more powerful than my weakness. Come rule and reign in my life, God. I cannot, but you can through me. Y'all need to write that down and post it on your mirror or, or somewhere in your house, put it on the card and carry it around that you cannot, but Jesus can through you. I can do all things through Him. So we ask for God, the kingdom to come uh, in, in, in His second coming, in, in coming to earth, and His kingdom to come in our life. And I'm telling you, man, you can spend, if you start getting serious about surrendering your life, just your strengths and your weaknesses, you can spend 45 minutes to an hour right there in this Lord's Prayer. But what, another place, though. Praying for God's kingdom to come in those that are around me. This is, this is where we, we see the power of God break through. Um, the, the terminology in, in the Greek here, uh, and I, I'm no Greek scholar, but, but I've been reading, reading some of these guys that are helping me in understanding. And they're, they're, they're pointing out that this phrase, it's, it's one where it's not just, it's not just talking about a, a, a gradual ushering in of the kingdom of God, although God is... He's doing that too. But it's actually praying. It's like, God, would you just explode on the scene? Would you come and, and just in a, in a way just kind of send everybody on their heels because of your power and your presence, Lord? And I, I'm talking very specifically. This is where kind of the charismatic in me comes out. And I think the charismatic in the Scripture comes out by which we... We, we look at what Jesus did and He said, I go to preach the kingdom of God and I take the kingdom of God. And you know what happened wherever He went? Whenever he, wherever He went, there was amazing things that happened to bring provision to people, to bring healing to people, to bring freedom to people. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. 
I mean, some, some people who are extreme just in, in maybe the study of uh, the miraculous gifts, they would just focus on focus just on what the miraculous would be and maybe just physical healing. I'm telling you, if you do that, then all you're doing is you're, you're actually just you're, you're suppressing you're suppressing part of the truth. What God wants to do, He wants to come and He wants to bring healing, but not just, not just in people's bodies, in people's relationships, and in their minds, in their hearts, in their spirits. He wants to bring healing and, and, and bring the kingdom in, 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 a, in a neighborhood and in a family and, and, and in a corporation. He wants to see things explode on the scene, but, but keeping it kind of at that personal level. I, I mean, just when, when you're praying for somebody, somebody asks for you to pray, you know what, hey, I've, I've got this, I've got, I've got a lump, you know, and, and I'm, I'm going in, we're doing a biopsy, and we're not sure what's going on, you know, there. Man, what I do is I pray and I say, God, I don't know what you're up to here, but I pray, may your kingdom come in this person, in my friend, in my sister, in my brother. May your kingdom come in their body. Lord, may, may something happen that explodes on the scene in their life to where it just knocks us all back. And just like Jesus kept sending people to the priests after when, when they were healed, you know why He did that? Because they were the ones that, I mean, many of them, they, they, they handled even some medicinal things, but they were the ones that they kind of pronounced when people were, were clean and people were healthy. They pronounced that, the Levites, they did. And so he, he sent them to there so that they could take a look and to see that they were clean, that they were whole, that they were healed, and they would pronounce it. It's like it'd be like when we go to a doctor or something like that. It's like, well, I don't know what happened to the tumor. It's gone. You know, people who've been prayed over their kids, maybe even in utero, and, and they're, they're like, man, there's, there's all, kinds of, all kinds of things going on in your child, and it's got... We've already detected Down syndrome or, or, or other diseases. And when the child is, child is born and much prayer has taken place you know, through the body of Christ, and in that instance, God shows up and, and powerfully heals that baby. And the baby is born without, without any kind of difficulties. Now, what's that mean for, the, for all the other kids that are born with stuff? It's, it's no judgment at all upon Him because... Jesus didn't even heal everybody. Think of even the pool of Siloam where, um, where, where the, the, uh, there would be all kinds of crippled people and every once in a while it's like an angel would stir. This is, this is almost science fiction it sounds like, but it's like an angel would stir the waters. First person who got in there, they would be healed. And Jesus came there and, and, and there was this one that just had been waiting for years and years and others would get in there before Him and they'd be healed. And He finally just kind of, Jesus please just heal me and and he and Jesus healed him he healed the man but the reality is, is is that that means that Jesus had to like step over all these other crippled people to get to this one person and it doesn't say in that instance that he healed everybody there's other times in scripture where it says Jesus healed everybody you know but that's not the case in every every time what was Jesus doing? The point wasn't that everybody was to be healed. The point was that Jesus would be seen as King and Lord and Sovereign and Ruler over all. And that Jesus is the one with the power. And so, have there been times when uh, groups of us have prayed over people and, and they've been miraculously healed? Yep. Tell us some stories. Pretty amazing. Not just all in Africa too. Some here. Have there been times in which we prayed over, over people and said, man, God, will your kingdom come in their life, in their body, and will they be healed? Lord, w- would you please do that? There's been times we've done that, and, and the person has not been physically healed? Yep. Way more times. And what do I attribute that to? The king. It's not up to me to tell the king what he's supposed to do. It's up to me to ask the king. You with me? You never know what God is up to in telling the story in someone's life. It's just up to you to be merciful and compassionate and stand in the gap for them. Go before them and beg and ask and knock and seek and keep asking God. Sometimes people die. Some people 
their sickness worsens. But I do believe this. I think I mentioned this last time. I believe that every time that you stand in the gap and you pray for someone, and if we just talk about healing in a person's life, I believe that every time that we, whether it's just you praying for them at a distance or a bunch of people coming together and it may seem a little wacky, but you're laying hands on them because that's what the Bible did. So you're like, well, I don't know how it works, but I'm just going to do it. We pray. And sometimes, sometimes God... God uh, does what exactly what you're asking for, but I believe every time you pray for somebody, God does something. He does what He wants. You're praying for healing in their body, God may just do a healing in their, their mind, or their heart. He might do a healing in their relationship. It's not all just about physical healing, but I'm telling you, the kingdom of God, praying for the kingdom of God to come and be manifest in a marriage. Or among siblings that are fighting. Asking God to come and to break through. It's the same thing even with salvation. I mean, when we got this door right over here, we're asking God to save a bunch of men and women and students and boys and girls. And ask God for His kingdom to come in their life to where the King shows up and they see the King. They hear the king. And they respond to the king. The last little part there of, of praying for God's kingdom to come is, is in, in our city and in our world. And, and again, that's just saying, God, we want to be the city of God within the city of man. It's, it's a part of... I mean, we, we really want to be a church that loves our city. And not just our city... Uh, I'm, I'm Wesley was praying earlier from Acts one eight of uh, our, of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Samaria, and the and the uttermost parts of the world. And let's start with our Jerusalem. I mean, let's let's be there. Let's let's love our city. What would it look like for 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 us to know what's going on in our city? To to ask God for justice and and mercy. And it means it means that if if you're if you're living in, in this city, or whatever city that you're from, but you consider yourself a part of the city of God, it means that you walk around, and you look around, and you see, that is, I can clearly see where, the, where things are not under the submission of God. Now, now don't, uh, don't read between the lines that we're here, that we want to, want to become an, another theocracy. You know, where we where we take over the government and everything's Christian run and everything's Christian. I'm not talking about that at all. We're just talking about saying, God, you're king, and we want to bring the blessing of God. We want to bring the shalom of God, which means more than just peace. Shalom means entire health and prosperity and, and protection and provision. That we want to see that. And so it means we open our eyes. And each one of you live somewhere in the city. And it's as if you're at a different part on the wall in the city. And you see things that others do not see. And it's one where, that's part of the reason the vision of God vision of God for Sojourn Church is to have these missional communities that we call journey groups <clears throat> scattered all over our city that just say, what is going on around our area? What's going on around here? Where does the city of God need to explode in the city of man? Where does the kingdom of God need to be manifest in our area? And you take time to look and pray. And there's, a lot of, there's examples of this going on in our city through Sojourn and others. And, I mean, tutoring children at McDonald Elementary and over at Whitesburg Elementary and Lincoln Village or Lincoln uh, Elementary and people feeding the poor with organizations here in our town, um, but even helping helping, pe- helping people develop good work skills. Maybe somebody didn't know how to write a resume, or they don't they don't really know good work ethic. You know, and you work with people, and that's I mean, that's hard. There's a lot of tension in that, and or helping people even with their people skills. It's a very frustrating thing to do, but so worthwhile. Helping people to manage their finances who maybe have been devastated by bad stewardship. Rescuing ladies out of prostitution. Helping men and women out of drug addiction that 
like Teen Challenge and New Life Men's Home. Helping men with porn addiction and vices. I mean, it's just all over where we look and say, that is clearly the kingdom of man. God, please, we ask for your kingdom to come in these areas. And, you, and talking, be specific. There are people who, who they, they look for a demon around every corner and, 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 and maybe they, they say, well, okay, that's, that's under the stronghold of a certain, certain demon. I, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. I know that demons do have authority and they do have power uh, in areas in, 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 in we, that, we give, that we give to them. Um, but the main thing to do is just to say, God, wherever there's darkness, wherever there's a place where your kingdom has been warped and your ways have been denied. God, we want to see we want to see freedom. We want to see people be free in Jesus Christ. The point in in all of this is we're saying, God, we want your kingdom to come, not my kingdom to come. You need to pray that. You need to confess that before the Lord to say, God, say, Lord, you know how much I'm committed to my own kingdom. I confess that before you. Please change me. God, I, I really don't need for my kingdom to come. I need for your kingdom to come. Guys, listen to me. Stop living for your kingdom. I'm serious. Right now, draw a line in the sand in which you say, God, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And the more I try to make it happen, the more I just live under my own kingdom. God, I surrender. I deny my way. I deny my agenda, my dreams, my visions. I deny my life. God, I'm found in You. Please change me. You daily say, God, Holy Spirit, I surrender. Take me. Use me. Glorify Yourself through me. It's my life. It's your life. Not my own. Now, quickly, uh, I want to just hit the section of praying the will of God. It, just, it, it really all ties in. Because, uh, I mean, we could go a lot of, we could spend a lot of time uh, talking about what is the will of God. We're not going to do that right now. What I want you to do is I want you just to submit and just to say, Jesus, your your will is found under seeking your kingdom. And if I'm seeking your kingdom, I'm going to be seeking for your will to be done. There's a lot of conversations that can be had about well, what's you know what's the will of a lost person like versus the will of a of a saved person. And you know what? It's 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 good to it's good to study and debate those things. However, you know what we need to be most concerned about? Not my will. Not the will of a lost person, not the will of a Christian, but what is the will of God? Jesus gave us a great example of this. Uh, Luke 22, 39-44. Let me just read this to you. This is right. This is, uh, this is right. I mean, we, we hit this section a few weeks ago, uh, er, uh, earlier in this text, just about you know, Jesus saying, man, you know, he, he went and he sweated drops of blood toiling before God and kept coming back and the disciples were just asleep out of exhaustion. He's like, man, can't you guys just stay awake? Well, but listen to this in the context again. Now thinking through Jesus and even through His humanity, His, his will. He came out and went, as was His custom, to the Mount of Olives and the disciples followed Him. And when He came to the place, He said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and he prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus was very honest, you guys, before his father. He was not he really he would never have con- considered leaving the mission, 
But it was so huge and weighed on him so much that he was like, God, ah, this is so horrible that if it were possible for humanity to be saved, if it were possible to rescue the bride any other way, I would choose it. But it's not, Father. And so, not for my comfort, not for my will, for yours be done. And that's where, when you're praying through, and you're praying, when you're praying for, for some, just a miracle in someone's life, and you're praying for someone's salvation, you're praying for praying for uh, somebody to, you know, just really, to really get out of their uh, their rut. You know, you're praying for yourself. You know. And, and you're praying you're praying just for a breakthrough in your life to where ultimately you're, you're you're saying God here's my will and here's my perspective but Lord may your kingdom come and may your will be done in this situation pray strategically guys through pray for his kingdom to come through his second coming then live your life out as if you would expect Him to take you up on your prayer that He comes back very soon. Pray for God's kingdom to come in your life daily. And it may be by the hour that you're submitting and resubmitting before the Lord and His, His, His kingship. Pray for God's kingdom to come in those that are, are around you. I mean, be, don't be afraid of don't be afraid of praying, praying and, and just asking God to do something that would be miraculous and it would just blow the doors off of everybody around. Know that God is big enough to do that, but His plans and His, His wisdom is big enough to either go that way or go into whatever else direction, whatever other direction He chooses. And pray for God, His kingdom to come in your city and in your world. God, uh, let's pray that Your kingdom would come right now. That Jesus, uh, that we would know that You are here, even without the angels and without You being in the flesh.